Good morning. It's wonderful to be with you. For those of you who are visiting, I usually attend the second service, so I always feel the need to introduce myself uh, just because I feel like a stranger in the first service just a little bit. So I'm Kenny. I'm one of the pastors here at Midtown and just uh, glad to be with you today. I don't know about you, but uh, I mean, all of the what we sang this morning was phenomenal, outstanding. However, Eric, the next time we do that, I need to know in advance because I don't want to sit next to Will. So my, my singing volume went really low on the Spanish part because I'm like, Will's going to kill me. <laughs> so you didn't hear me, did you? Okay. All right. So we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 8 this morning. As you make your way there, I will pray and uh, trust the Lord to meet with us today. We desperately need that, Father. Thank you so much uh, for your power. And we heard that this morning. The testimony of what you've done in Malawi reflects who you are and what you can do. You are awesome. You are mighty. You are great. You are magnificent. And Lord, all the praise and glory is truly yours for what you've done there and what you're going to continue to do. So we thank you for that. And Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to gather here today as your people to worship you in spirit and in truth and to be able to open your word together and clearly hear you speak very directly to us. And as you do that, Lord, would you help us now to make a decision that whatever we hear from you, however we need to respond to that, that Lord will do so without excuse or delay and we ask all of it for your glory in Jesus' name, amen. So before going on a business trip to Europe, a man went into a bank in Manhattan. He drove up, he parked his Rolls Royce right out front, walked in and met with a loan officer where he requested a loan in the amount of $5,000. So the loan officer did his business and said, we can get this done today. I just need some collateral from you. So he handed the loan officer the keys to his pristine Rolls Royce and they took the keys and parked the Rolls Royce in the underground parking, secured parking of the bank and everything went fine. He cut a check to the guy for five grand and the guy left for his trip. He came back two weeks later, walked in and said, hey, I'm here to settle up on my loan and let's get it done. Loan officer says, no problem, that'll be $5,000 to cover the principal interest, $15.40. No problem. So the guy writes a check, gets it done, he begins to walk away, and the loan officer says, hey, wait a minute, just a second, sir. I, I've done a little bit of research on you, and I've discovered that you are a very wealthy man. If you don't mind me asking, what on earth did you need a loan for $5,000 for? Just, just trying to understand this, and here's what he said. He smiled and said, where else could I safely park my Rolls Royce in Manhattan for two weeks for $15.40? <laughs> Funny, but also in a word, wise. Today I'm gonna to invite you to walk with me in terms of where I've been walking with the Lord very recently, and. Uh, he's been dealing with me and speaking to me about wisdom. 
and meeting me in his word to impress upon my heart the importance of wisdom. If you could somehow take a peek into my journal, which might scare you, but if you could somehow take a peek into that, you would see references, particularly in the past week, where I've been meditating and praying to the Lord about wisdom and God showing me how critical this is. And wisdom, according to Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 7, is the principal thing. Uh, that is, out of everything that you need to get in life, you have to get this. It is preeminent. You might say, well, wait a minute. I thought Christ was preeminent. I thought I had to have Christ. Would you consider 1 Corinthians 1.24? But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Uh, verse 30 and 31. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. We absolutely must have Christ. We absolutely need Christ in every way that we can think of. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul said that in all things, Christ must be preeminent. That is, he must be chief. He must be first. So here's, where we're, here's what we're saying. Wisdom is the principal thing because Christ, the wisdom of God, is preeminent in all things. So there is no contradiction. You cannot choose godly wisdom without choosing Christ. And you can't choose Christ without choosing godly wisdom. They are inseparable. Like Christ, godly wisdom is life-altering. It's life-giving. It's life-saving. It's life-changing. It's invaluable. It is precious beyond human imagination. It is a must-have. Given that, you would think that the public demand for wisdom would be extremely high. I'm afraid it's not. One of the things that I enjoy as a father with my son in particular is is going to college and NFL football games. It's a, it's a great time for us. He's a sports fan, just like his father. And it gives us a platform to bond and spend quality time together. And, and so one of the things that we used to do, uh, we used to go to quite a few KU football games. It's not far from our house, and it's just an easy ride, and we get to hang. And uh, it wasn't very long ago that I could go on one of the major ticket sites and buy tickets for $6. $6. Parking was free. I mean, my son would whack me at the concession stand, but, you know, I, I could live with that. It's like, listen, we get two trips, bro. We don't get three or four, right? It's like he, he needed to go to the concession stand like once a quarter. It's like, no, we go twice. That's it. But, but apart from that, it really wasn't, a, it, it, was a, it was a great, like, this is a cheap date. This is great. But now that Kansas is having the season that they're having, uh, those $6 tickets are no more. They do not exist. What happened? Those tickets are in greater demand, and so the price has been adjusted according to that, right? Economics. But compared to wisdom, a KU football ticket, even a ticket to Arrowhead, the 50-yard line, compared to wisdom, is dung. It's dung. 
As it relates to the public demand for wisdom, here's the bottom line truth. This is where we are. Proverbs 8, beginning in verse 1. Doth not wisdom cry, and understanding put forth her voice? She standeth in the top of the high places, by the way in the places of the paths. She crieth at the gates, at the entry of the city, at the coming in at the doors. Unto you, O men, I call. And my voice is to the sons of man. O ye simple, understand wisdom, and ye fools, be ye of an understanding heart. Hear, for I will speak of excellent things, and the opening of my lips shall be right things. For my mouth shall speak truth, and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing forward or perverse in them. They are all plain to him that understandeth, and right to them that find knowledge. Receive my instruction, and not silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold, for wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. Wisdom here in this chapter obviously is personified, but it pictures Christ crying out to humanity. And this is reinforced when you consider John chapter 7, verses 37 and 38. In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. The world then and now is very thirsty. It has a longing that it is constantly trying to fulfill, trying to satisfy, trying to pinpoint. And Christ, the ultimate thirst quencher of the soul, is crying out. He's saying, I am the one who can quench that longing that you have. I am the one that can satisfy that itch that you have. I am the one who can fulfill your deepest longing and need. Only me. It's me. But the demand for what he's offering is so very low. And here's another sobering reality about wisdom. The low demand for wisdom is not limited to the world. It's not, sadly. It's not. Wisdom is not only crying out to the world. Wisdom is also crying out to the church. Uh, the Laodicean church makes this very clear, does it not? It's not just the world who hears the voice of wisdom, the voice of Christ crying out and, and tunes it out. It's the church too, especially in these last days. How about 1 Corinthians 6 verse 5? I speak to your shame, Paul said. Is it so? that there is not a wise man among you. No, not one that shall be able to judge between his brethren. So here's Paul addressing a New Testament local church of believers who were going to the world to settle their disputes. Not wise. Wisdom would have been crying out in the church at Corinth during that time. And they said, we're not listening. We're going to go to the world 
and we'll let them solve our spiritual problems, even though they don't have the indwelling of the Spirit of God. A study of the life of Solomon yields one of the clearest, and I would say most baffling truths you will ever encounter in your life, and it is this. He was the wisest fool to have ever lived. It's, it's crazy. When you look at Solomon, what he had and how he finished, without a doubt, he was the wisest fool to have ever lived. Sadly, believers can be as foolish as the world. Even some who know the Word of God extremely well. So let me just clarify. When we talk about wisdom, and again, there are a number of uh, Troy uses this expression, sidewalk definitions, and I've, I've been using it too, so I hijacked it. But there are a number of sidewalk definitions for wisdom, and, and many of them are really, really good, so this one isn't going to top those, but just for the sake of clarity. When we talk about wisdom, here's what we mean. Wisdom is possessing and exercising the mind of Christ. When we talk about wisdom, this is what we're talking about. It is exercising and possessing the mind of Christ. At salvation, we inherited, we were given the mind of Christ, 1 Corinthians 2.16. As believers, we have that. We do. The issue, though, is that too many are not exercising the mind of Christ, and When you don't exercise the mind of Christ, you're not exercising wisdom, and when you're not exercising wisdom, what you find in the wake of your walk is foolishness, regret, bad decision after bad decision, grieving the Spirit of God, cheating God of glory that is rightfully His, I mean, this is what happens when we do not exercise the wisdom that we have in Christ. So this is where we're going to focus the rest of our time this morning. To exercise the mind of Christ is to exercise wisdom. And look at verse 34. This is critical. I have, it's just been good to hang out with the Lord in these verses. And, and again, I, I would, it would take weeks to, and not that I need to share everything, but, but this is just where God has met me of late, and I just trust that he'll use it to, to edify and challenge you. But, but Proverbs 8, 34, blessed is the man that heareth me, this is wisdom, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors. So to exercise wisdom, we must have a daily respect for wisdom. A daily respect for wisdom. This means that we are in complete agreement with Christ regarding the value of wisdom. We give great respect to it. Uh, We don't treat it as a light thing. Uh, We're there with him. We give great respect to it. We agree that it is better than rubies. And all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. When we have this daily respect for wisdom, we say amen uh, to what wisdom is crying out about herself 
And those verses that we read, we say, yes, I'm in agreement. I, yes, amen to all of that. You are everything and more. You are everything that I could possibly desire, want, need. You are it. The believer who has that daily respect for wisdom, they are not like the masses. They do not go through life ignoring wisdom. They don't plug their ears to wisdom's cry. They don't do that. They give great respect to it. And Proverbs 8:34, gates and posts imply a building. So in the Old Testament, this would have referred to the temple at this time. Today, we are the temple of God. So having a daily respect for wisdom, listen, means that we bring this temple to this book to watch and wait daily. Not every other day, not five out of seven, but daily, because of the respect that we have for wisdom. We bring this temple to this book, and we watch and we wait day in and day out. But here's what makes someone a fool. What makes someone a fool is that they have no respect for wisdom. As a matter of fact, the Bible says they despise it. Proverbs 1 verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 9, 8 and 9, reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man and he will love thee. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man and he will increase in learning. What we have here is we have exceptional clarity on the difference between believers who are spiritually mature and believers who are spiritually immature. You see it right here. It's very, very clear. Listen, spiritually mature believers have great respect for wisdom, while spiritually immature believers have great disrespect for it. This is the difference. This is the difference. And guess where that is magnified or manifested very clearly? You see it here in the verses that we looked at. Spiritually mature believers gracefully welcome correction in all forms. They welcome it. They do. And why do they do that? They do that because they understand that it is wise for them to do that. Believers who exercise wisdom in their life, they understand that spiritual growth is impossible without correction. So they embrace it. They don't get combative. They don't become defensive. They don't try and excuse away their carnality, they welcome it. But one of the things you learn in ministry leadership is that there's one thing that you cannot do when dealing with a spiritually immature believer, and that is you absolutely cannot attempt to correct them in any way whatsoever. 
they will explode in carnality. And I get it, the person who is doing the correcting is also imperfect. That is not why the correction is ultimately rejected so strongly. The correction is rejected so strongly because the spiritually immature believer treasures their personal wisdom over the wisdom that we encounter in Proverbs 8. They're always right. The spiritually immature, they have great disrespect for God's wisdom because of the premium that they place on theirs. Uh, They are preoccupied and concerned primarily with what they think, what they believe to be right, and so on and so forth. They cannot imagine for a second that they could be off, that they could be lacking in their perspective, that they could be missing something. And in taking that position, their foolishness is amplified. Proverbs 3 and verse 7, be not wise in thine own eyes. That's so very dangerous. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Proverbs 26, 12, seest thou man wise in his own conceit? There is more hope of a fool than of him. Someone who is wise in their own eyes, someone who is wise in their own conceit, listen, they cannot be taught, nor can they be led. Because in their very prideful estimation, they are omniscient in knowledge. They know everything. One of the things I'm thankful for, uh, the Lord just consistently impresses upon my heart and I pray that I will maintain a sensitivity to this because I think it's critical. But the Lord challenges me, son, make sure you always stay teachable. Always stay teachable. God uses my wife to teach me. God uses my children to teach me. God uses fools to teach me. God says stay teachable. But you know what, to stay teachable, we have to be humble because you can't teach and you can't lead someone who's full of pride. But listen, this is one of the fatal errors of those who are wise in their own conceit, is that they consistently equate knowledge with wisdom. That's foolish. They do. That exposes their foolishness. The Bible does not equate knowledge with wisdom. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us very clearly that wisdom, not knowledge, is the principal thing. That's not to say that knowledge has no place. It's just to say that if you start and stop there and think that that is the creme de la creme, you're missing it. So because they are more advanced in knowledge than others in their mind, that sets them apart as being superior to others. This is where, this is how people think who are wise in their own eyes. They've got all the answers. You can't teach me anything. I know everything. So because I know more than most of the people around me, I've got more credentials. I'm, I've accomplished more. I've achieved more. You can't teach me anything. Uh, these are people who sit in church services and 
they're not open, listening to what the Holy Spirit might impart to them. They're actually critiquing everything. Does it satisfy their knowledge level? Does it pass their test? Brothers and sisters, that attitude is first-class foolishness. And it will wreck you. It will wreck you. Now, when we possess a daily respect for wisdom, which this is where the Lord has been uh, dealing with me, is, son, you make sure that you maintain the value of this in your life every day. You must have it. You know how many decisions that we're all faced with in a given day? I mean, it doesn't matter whether you are a pastor or not. There, there are things that you're going through life. You've got a family, you've got a career, you've got an education, all these different things that you're trying to steward properly. What helps you do that very well is wisdom. Not yours, his. And so every day, it's humbling yourself at the feet of this word and you come with a humility and an openness and a desperation saying, God, please give me your mind. Give me your perspective. It is far greater than mine could ever be. Your foolishness is wiser than, than my wisdom, amen. So when we possess that, that takes us to verse 35. For whoso findeth me, wisdom says, findeth life and shall obtain favor of the Lord. So when you exercise wisdom, it leads to a daily reaching for it. A daily reaching for wisdom. Finding implies searching. It's not that wisdom is hiding. We see that very clearly in the opening verses of this of this chapter, wisdom is actually standing in the top of the high places that we read, crying at the gates, at the entry of the city, and so on and so forth. Again, the issue is not an issue of availability, it's an issue of demand. Demand is just not there. Because she is not respected, she's not being sought after. But for those who respect her daily, they reach for her daily by searching for her where she is sure to be found 24-7. Not hiding. In plain sight. Crying out to you. I'm crying out to you early in the morning. I'm crying out to you throughout the day. I'm crying out to you on Sunday morning. I'm crying out to you on Tuesday night. I'm just crying out. I'm begging you to take me. I'm begging you to receive me. A devotional takeaway from the Lord's kingdom prayer is the need for daily bread. Matthew 6, 11, give us this day our daily bread. And when we compare that with one of Jesus' bold I am statements in the gospel of John, what it looks like to daily reach for wisdom becomes very clear. John 6, 35, And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, 
And he that believeth on me shall never thirst. The fact that we eat multiple times a day uh, gives evidence to the fact that we have respect for physical food. I mean, we do it multiple times a day, every day. So, yes, we respect the importance of that. However, listen, daily neglect of the word expresses our disrespect for wisdom. Wisdom says, if you're going to ignore me regularly, you're going to do so at your own peril. Yes, you have a free will and and you get to, you can ignore me, you can tune me out. But oh my goodness, you're going to pay. And when we do that, essentially, our confession is this. Wisdom, I don't think you're all that. You're not all that. I'm good. This explains how Solomon became the wisest fool in history. He possessed the wisdom of God, but eventually he stepped away from that and began walking according to his own wisdom. And how did that end? Dreadful. But wisdom wants to be found. So if we are lacking it, it is because we are not asking for it and we're not searching for it. And that foolishness is further exposed when you consider the rewards of wisdom. When you consider what we are forsaking by not respecting her, by by not appointing her as the principal thing in our lives. Verse 35 says, There's life and favor. So guess what? You know where wisdom starts? Wisdom starts with embracing the eternal life from Christ. The wisest decision that any human being will ever make in their life is to embrace the Savior, is to receive the gift of eternal life that Jesus Christ paid for with his very own blood out of deep love for you. Wisdom says, accept that gift. (laughs) But for the believer in Jesus Christ, guess what wisdom blesses you with? It blesses you with the abundant life that Christ came to give you. The abundant Christian life that we talk about, that we teach about, that we are at least familiar with intellectually. But I think for some, we, 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 we look at it as, well, that sounds really good, it sounds ideal, but really it's just, it's just not realistic. Well, that depends. That depends on whether or not you have great respect for wisdom and you're reaching for it daily. Because if you have great respect for wisdom and you are reaching for it daily, guess what? You are experiencing the abundant life that Christ came to give you. And we find delight or favor. Who doesn't want delight? (laughs) You know what? When, When you and I walk, when we exercise wisdom, life becomes delightful. It becomes, listen, wisdom is the real deal. It is the real deal. As my brother would say, it'll get it done. 
quite real. Wisdom gets it done. Listen, at best, it is foolish not to watch and wait daily in the Word. At best, it is foolish. It is foolish when you wake up and the first thing you want to reach for is your smartphone. The, the first thing that you want is your remote control so you can watch the Today Show, whatever. Or you get up and you just start running with your errands and all those things and, and wisdom is just crying out, saying, hey, 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 hey. And we have all the excuses, well, you know, I, I'm just, I didn't sleep well or I'm just not a morning person and, uh, okay. Wisdom says, your call, just letting you know I'm here. Uh, some wonder though, why does it seem that I'm so estranged from joy? Why do I feel so estranged from peace? Why do I seem so estranged from fulfillment? And all of that. The short answer is, is because you don't possess a daily respect and a reach for wisdom. That's where those things are found. Finally, the time I have left, verse 36. Wisdom says, but he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. All they that hate me love death. Wow. That's deep, isn't it? This is wisdom's last argument in making her case for why she must be respected and reached for daily. To sin against her is to reject her. And listen, the wisest decision that a human being will ever make is to say yes to the Lord Jesus Christ. However, the most foolish decision that a person makes in their life is to say no to the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. Why? Because they are saying no to eternal life and saying yes to eternal death. That is a very foolish decision. It is the most foolish decision that a human being ever makes. And the question is not, how could a loving God send anyone to hell? That's the wrong question. The right question is, how could anyone be so foolish to say no to his grace? to say no to his love, to say no to his eternal security? That's the right question. But believers who exercise wisdom do a daily reckoning of wisdom. A daily reckoning. Uh, this refers to the math that they do every day about wisdom. And their conclusion is this. Wisdom is simply too invaluable. It is too priceless, it is too precious for me to forsake and go away that is right in my own eyes. They agree with wisdom's conclusion here in Proverbs 8.36. They agree. And that is reinforced. That is reinforced for them 
as they survey the land that they're in, and they see how it is littered with the spiritual and emotional and even physical carnage of those who forsook wisdom. They look out and they see, oh, this is the fruit. This is what happens when people go away that is right in their own eyes. That's where it leads. No, I, I say amen as a way of life. I say amen to Proverbs 8.36. I agree with you, wisdom. No argument here. One of the things I think is very hard for anyone in ministry leadership is to watch believers struggle. To, to watch them wallow in spiritual defeat and misery and all of those things. And it just comes down to if they would just have the right respect for this, they would put it together. It would come together. But that's not their reckoning. Their reckoning entices them to do something that is very foolish, and, and I'm gonna wrap up, I'm just about done. First Thessalonians 5, 19 and 20, it's very, very simple, but I'm telling you, this is something that the spiritually foolish, this is where they live, tragically. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesyings. To quench the spirit, is to extinguish his attempts to fill you and lead you. You say no. I'm gonna put that out. And when we do that, it leads to the next thing because the spirit is always speaking the word, despise not prophesying, which means that we have no respect to the preaching and teaching of the word of God. These are believers who will sit under preaching and teaching with spiritual earplugs. To those, wisdom says, you are welcoming death. You're signing up for it. Final point, as the praise team is coming to close. Wisdom is priceless and the price for rejecting it is very steep. My cry to us this morning is let's make sure that wisdom has our undivided attention daily, amen? Lord, we thank you for your word. Uh, it is always very good. It always speaks to us where we are and what we need to hear. Father, I do believe that wisdom has been crying out all morning through the praise, through the testimony. Wisdom has been crying out through the preaching. It's been crying out. And Lord, I just pray against anyone who would harden their heart, who would plug their ears. Maybe there's some here who need to open their heart to you and receive the very gift that you came to purchase for them. You died for their sins. You were buried 
and you rose again on the third day according to the scriptures, and you did so because you desire to have an eternal relationship with all of us. So to those who might be in that area, Lord, may today be the day of salvation for them. But for those who are born again, who have been made to sit together in heavenly places, what is it that we have heard from you this morning that we need to respond to? Whatever that is, Lord, let us do so again without excuse or delay. In Jesus' name, amen.